Good morning. Whoa. Somebody needs to turn me down. It's not the first time that's been said. Welcome to worship, everyone. My name is Steve Hyduk. Blessed to be pastor here at Ovilla United Methodist Church. We're starting a new uh, sermon series today, The Story Till Now. We're going to start at the very beginning. And since today we start the sermon series, today is the beginning. So take a deep breath. Welcome God's presence into this place. And let's worship God together. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Genesis chapter 1 and 2. So starting at the end of chapter 1, verse 24, all the way down to the next chapter, verse 3. And I'll be reading out of the Common English Bible. Ooh. I will be reading out of the Common English Bible. Okay, I'm just going to read from the screen because sometimes technology doesn't like me. Anyway, God said, let the earth produce every kind of living thing, livestock, crawling things, and wildlife. And that's what happened. God made every kind of wildlife, every kind of livestock, and every kind of creature that crawls on the ground, and God saw how good it was. Then God said, let us make humanity in our image to resemble us so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, of the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the earth, and all the things crawling on the earth. God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fertile and multiply, fill the earth and master it. Take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and everything crawling on the ground. Then God said, I now give to you all the plants on the earth that yield seeds and all the trees whose fruit produces its seeds within it. These will be your food, and to all wildlife, to all birds in the sky, and to everything crawling on the ground, to everything that breathes, I give all the green grasses for food, and that's what happened. God saw everything he made, and it was supremely good. There was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. The heavens and the earth and all who lived in them were completed. On the sixth day, God worked. God completed all the work that he had done, and on the seventh day, God rested from all the work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all the work of creation. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning again. Always like coming back up here a second time, because there's like twice as many people out there. Maybe if I sit down and come back up, it'll double again. I'm not going to take that chance. Please pray with me. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight because, God, you and you alone are rock and our redeemer. Amen. How do you know if a story is your story? Barbara Brown Taylor tells this, this I think, beautiful story, the way she tells it, um, of God's people. They're torn from their land. They're kind of in slavery, but not, not exactly like Egypt generations before. 
They've been torn from their land and hauled off into Babylon, away from the land that God had given them, away from the land of all their rich memories. And they were forced to live as second-class citizens, or worse, and they lived in a land that wasn't theirs. Many Bible scholars believe that's where Genesis was either written or compiled while God's people were exiled in Babylon. So Taylor talks about it being written because God's people weren't going to let anybody else tell them how to tell their story. So the Babylonian creation story, it's known today as the Enuma Elish, um, all, uh, not related to Billie Eilish, in case you're curious. I'll summarize it. So in the Babylonian creation story, in the beginning, Tiamat and Apsu are the gods of salt water and fresh water, and they create lesser gods, but then they were bothered by the lesser gods, and these lesser gods killed Apsu, and then somehow there's a whole battalion of, of lesser, lesser gods, but one of them is Marduk, and Marduk comes up and kills Tiamat, and then splits her body into two, and sets one part of Tiamat's body in the sky to be the heavens, and the other part of Tiamat's body on the earth to become the earth. And then Marduk takes his place on the throne that becomes the sun and sets all the other lesser gods into places like the stars and the moon and such and then created the humans to serve all these other gods. You're probably not very familiar with that story. Right. Because that story is not our story. So how do you know if a story is your story? We're all born into some story. We're born into, into, into a set of stories. But somewhere along the way, we have to choose whether or not to make a story our own story. This is why the Amish have Rumspringa. You've heard of Rumspringa. Sometime between the ages of 14 and 17, Amish youth are set free from their way of life that is utterly stuck in the 18th century as far as technology goes. They're set free from that to go about the world and live however it is that they want to live so that they can then choose which story they live by. 90% of Amish youth return to the story the Amish live by, the story they had been raised with. We are bombarded by stories. We live by stories. There are people, though, that want to go around the world convincing other people that they don't need stories to live by. And to explain to you why you don't need a story to live by, they'll tell you a story. There's also a story that's been going around for a while that we are free to choose from any story we want to live our lives by. This story says that growing up is a time to learn all the different stories, it's almost as though all the stories are a buffet table of stories. And at some point, you step outside of all the stories and look at them like they're on a buffet line and you pick the one you want. But if it takes a story to tell you how you pick your story, it seems like it's really hard to step out of all the stories. It's quite a story. But we, the people of God, followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, we have a story 
and it starts this way. It starts, in the beginning, God. Before anything else was, God is. And this is the first creation story. There are two, and I'll talk more about that in a minute. But in this first creation story, everything is created by God by speaking. God speaks everything into existence. So, our story starts with God creating and these two really important details. One, God's words are powerful. And two, there's no violence to start our creation story. So let's take a moment with each of these. God's words are powerful. God created everything that is by simply speaking. We know words are powerful. Words can hurt. Words can heal. Words can kill. Words can bring life or death. They can bring blessing or curse, hope or despair. Words also presume that there's relationships. So you speak words to someone else or for someone else to hear them. Words are spoken to be heard and they're listened to. Words can bring people closer together or drive them further apart. But the kind of words that speak creation into existence are words that draw into being, that draw closer. And our story starts with God drawing creation into being with words. But God's words aren't violent words. They're peaceful words. Unlike the Babylonian story, our creation's not based on violence. Our God doesn't depend on violence. The way the world began wasn't based in warring and violence, but in speaking. It's hard not to tell our story without violence. Because there's so many of the world's stories that are built on violence, but ours isn't. So if you're telling our story in a way that depends on violence, please remember that's not how our story starts. Our story starts with God speaking all of creation. All that isn't God, God speaks into existence. And we are the culmination, the climax of all that creation. It's, it's the big we. It's all of humanity. It's not some small we, this, this small group of people among all the others that God thinks are special. It's all of humanity, the biggest we that there is. And this is the pattern that the poem that is Genesis 1 takes. I won't go through the whole poem, but it starts with day one is good, day two is good, day three is good, day four is good, day five is good, day six very good, and then God rests. So remember I told you there were two creation stories? The second one starts right after the first. We didn't get into the second creation story today with the reading. The reading went into chapter 2, verse 3, but the second story starts in chapter 2, verse 4, because remember, all the numbers on the chapters and the verses came along a lot later than these stories did. The second story has a different focus. Now, both these creation stories are our story. It's hard to tell the kind of story that offers the basis or the foundation for everything else without doing something like this. They're two creation stories that are part of the same story. They fit together because the first one is more about the creation of all that is and humanity on a grand scale. And the second one is more about the creation of humans in relationship, the way we all live. 
I mean, if you look at the first story, Genesis 1.26 says that God made mankind or humanity, depending on the translation, and it's about all of us. But there are parts of the story that are better told with more specific versions. This is why anybody that's trying to raise funds gives us an image of a particular individual. Because if, for example, you say, kids on the other side of the world are hungry, we need to feed them, we're interested, but we're not really drawn to it. But if we, if I showed you a picture and told you a story of one particular child, it would move our hearts. So we need to hear some stories about more particular and more specifics. another way that our story stands apart from so many other stories about how the world started. Our story, which is God's story, it gets up close and personal. It doesn't just say, after all the gods and, and Mar Marduk put all the other gods into being, and gave them a place to live, then he created humans to serve them. No, ours gets personal, gets up close about relationships. God created humans, all of us, for relationships. Everything starts with God. I mean, without God, nothing else would be here, right? Which kind of reminds me of, of the way John tells the story when he tells the story at the start of Jesus' life. He sums up the whole creation story with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the Word, and without the Word, nothing came into being. But what came into being through the Word was life. And the life was the light for all people. So, it goes further than that. But you have to read John chapter 1 on your own. Everything starts with God, and God's crowning act of creation is the way the CEB says it. God saw everything that he made, and it was supremely good. Supremely good. There's so much in here that really isn't about way back then. Every bit of this book, every bit of the story of Genesis is for now. And that's what makes our story so fabulous and so incredible. If you read this part of the story, the first couple chapters of Genesis, as only or even mostly some series of things that happened only thousands of years ago, way before anybody was around to write it down, then you're missing out on the life that God has for us in this story. And if you and I don't draw life from this story, then how are we going to offer life to other people? This is our story. It's the kind of story I want to be a part of. God creates and does so simply by speaking. Then God creates without relying on or resorting to violence. God creates for relationship with humans. And humans are the pinnacle of God's creation. Which brings me back to Barbara Brown Taylor at the other end of the book that I referenced earlier. The book is The Luminous Web. We read it for our last summer, uh, last month summer book club reading. She writes towards the end of this about how science has actually come to, to have to, to wrestle with relationships because human relationships are a part of, of the realm of creation that science has the most challenge in understanding and interpreting because part of science wants to reduce us all to just a bunch of chemical reactions inside of us. Oh, you thought you felt a certain way? That was just a chemical that one gland in your brain stimulated. 
But science, in another aspect, has realized that, that all of creation is in relationship. Physicists have realized that, that the smallest particles that they've yet discovered, when they're together, they react to each other. And after they've reacted to each other, it's called entanglement. No matter how far apart in the universe those two particles are, they still are related to each other. So if this one moves over here and this one moves a lot farther away than my arms can show, if this one moves, this one moves in response. The universe is built on relationship. So how do you know if a story is your story? There's so many stories competing for our attention and for our allegiance. But this is the story of God's people. The people to whom God speaks and the God who speaks to people. The God who spoke to the world without violence, without tearing anybody down or anything apart and created the world as it is. This is the story of a God who brings order out of chaos and who created us all for relationships. This is just the start of our story. But let's go live this story of a speaking, loving God who wants a relationship with us. Please pray with me. God, we are bombarded by stories, by people who want to tell us why the world is the way it is and how the world is the way it is. But as your people, God, help us find peace and hope in knowing this story that grounds us, that connects us with you, you who spoke the world into existence, who used words and not violence to create who created us in your own image. Because you wanted relationship. God, we, when we try to set ourselves apart from others and pretend that we aren't in relationship, remind us that our story is of a God who created us for and to live in relationships. So we give ourselves to you this morning, God, for this week, that as you present us with opportunities to love and serve those in the world around us, help us to remember this story and how this is our story. We give ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you now, does everybody have a communion cup? Okay. I'll invite you to, uh, to open the top part of that to, to, to free the wafer and share this with you. So one of the constants throughout scriptures is how much God wants a relationship with, with all of creation, with God's people. And so, eventually, you know, Jesus came, God in human form, 
to embody relationship with us. And as Jesus knew that his time with his people was coming to an end, they had a final meal together. And with that final meal, Jesus chose these simple elements of bread and wine and blessed them so that they would always remember. Every time they ate bread and drank wine, they would remember the relationship that they had with Jesus, that they would come to know and understand this was their relationship with God Almighty, with the creator of the universe. And so we have, Christians have, followers of Jesus have, in the years since then, celebrated this same sacrament with regularity because we know we need to be reminded who our God is and the extent to which our God went and continues to go to reach us and to reach others. And so as we share this sacrament together, we are reminded of the story that we live in and of who our God is. Please pray with me. God, as we have gathered together to lift our hearts and our minds and our souls to you in worship and praise and thanksgiving, we're grateful that we're joined together with all the others who are with us here in worship, both present physically and online, that together we celebrate that we are part of your great unending story of love and relationship. Help us to have a sense as we share this sacrament that we are part of one another, not only of one another, but of your people who throughout the generations have gathered and shared your story and listened to and lived this story. And so as we give ourselves to you, God, we also lift these simple elements, this bread and this wine, and ask that by your blessings and by your mysterious creative ability, these would become for us the body and the blood of Jesus, that we might be for the world the body of Jesus, poured out in love and redemption. And so we ask you, God, to inhabit these elements for us, that we might be your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Jesus took